Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Losing good things. The losing powerful things. And in the season that we're in, I want us just to remember the words from Andy Bird. The harvest is ripe. And one of the things that he helped us to see was that when difficult circumstances rail against people, it causes them to lift their focus upward. They look for a deliverer. They need a savior. And so we're, we're facing some rather challenging times, but like the sons of Issachar, we know how to read the signs of the times and know what to do. Okay? And so it's, it's fairly obvious that things are getting increasingly challenging. We just had another interest rate hike, which is going to put a squeeze on people. We, we know that some of the things are more easily visible than others in terms of the decline of what's going on in our nation. With Eskimos, it's really hard for them to hide that. It's either on or it's off, right? We, we've noted that there's been a decline in, in water and, and availability of water, and the decline in infrastructure has been significant, and to some degree they've been able to put some of the blame on things like drought or things like climate change, which is another message for another day. But there's been decline in those areas. We know that there's been decline in, for example, medical care. And so we know from many, many um, accounts, um, people we know of, who've, particularly in, say, some of the other parts of the country, where someone goes to hospital, you've got to take your own linen with you. And you've got to get people to bring you food and, and this kind of thing. So we know that our, our medical uh, system has, has been in, in decline and it just boggles the mind the new initiatives that they're wanting to bring into, um, uh, yeah, bring into being when we can't even maintain the, the system that's already there. We also know that uh, the treatment of effluent has, has been a, a significant problem and um, probably only 10%, and that's being sort of generous, only 10% of effluent uh, is properly treated in sewage plants that it can then, in a sense, be put back into the environment. So we've got 90% of waste products from humans that is causing massive problems, and of course we bumped into the cholera um, just last month. And that's just a sign of the, the decline and the decay. And so these are the kinds of things that, we, that we're going to be facing as a nation. Now, I'm not telling you these things to depress you. I'm actually telling you these things to encourage you. 
because the harvest is ripe. Okay, what's happening? All right, the pressure is increasing so that the harvest can get riper. Now, it's a little bit challenging that we are having to go through the same conditions that shake people out of their complacency and cause them to look up. We're already looking up, so we have an added advantage. Because the sons of Issachar, what are we supposed to do in this? Well, we're supposed to keep living in faith and by faith. All the while trusting that more people would come to faith. And also recognizing, you know what? We're not victims. We need to do some things ourselves. Yeah? And so we, we're taking um, actions in order to be more self-sufficient. We're investing in our futures, in our family futures, and we're not relying on government, so to speak, to supply our needs. Apparently that was an endorsement from on high. (laughs) The Lord took his people out of Egypt into the wilderness. Deliberately he took them into the wilderness where there's no food and there's no water. It's like that's extreme hardship. So was it God's intention that they should starve or die of thirst? No. God took them into a hard place in order to show his power and his glory. So he provided manna and water from the rock. We're going into a hard time so that his glory may be seen. There's manna and there's water for the people of God. Therefore, we are encouraged. There's going to be great things that are going to happen for many, many people, many households who had been previously self-sufficient, didn't need God. Now they're going to come to the end of themselves. It's going to, we need a savior. So for their sake, we say, Lord, bring it on. Give us the grace to go through this, and may your power and your glory be seen in increasing measure. We thank you for manna. If you've done it before, you can do it again. Thank you for water from the rock. Probably a little skeptical about what's coming out the tap, so thank you for water from the rock. Okay, so we're tracking together, are we? Yeah. God's got huge plans for us in our future. Don't believe the, the swirl of the chaos, the storm around you, to think that actually God is conspiring to work against you. No, he's conspiring to work for you. He, he's causing all things to work together for good. And ultimately, his plans and purposes will be established. He who began a good work in you will bring it all the way through to completion. It's not going to leave you, not going to abandon you. 
Is this okay? Yay. Marvelous. Now, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit came in an extraordinary way on the day of Pentecost, nearly 2,000 years ago. And he's still working in extraordinary ways in the people of God. And on that Pentecost, which as I mentioned last week, was an extension of the Hebrew celebration, the festival of weeks, of first fruits, signifying that the harvest was coming. You're making the links? So the, 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 the harvest is on the way, and the Holy Spirit on that, that day of Pentecost causes Peter, who'd never preached a sermon, to preach one of the most quoted sermons of all time. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. He says, this is that prophesied by Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, not some flesh, all flesh. My sons and my daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams, young men will have visions. We're, we're gonna do this stuff, yeah? And, and it's with a purpose that the Lord started something because he wanted the church, the ecclesia, to come into a place of power and authority, of anointing, of effectiveness, of fruitfulness, not in their own human strength, but in the strength of the Almighty in and through the power of the Spirit. So, let's fast track then to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this church in Corinth is just the most amazing church operating in the gifts of the Spirit, revivals happening, just amazing spiritual um, occurrences in their meetings. These, these guys were seeing revival. And even into that context, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Another translation says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. So even in a spiritual environment, a revival environment, it's possible to be uninformed, or to be ignorant about some of the things that the Spirit is doing in the gathering of God's people. And so it's important for us to take note that there's things that need to be emphasized that we need to emphasize. It goes on to verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. So now we've got gifts of the Spirit. So we've got spiritual things and we've got gifts of the Spirit. Verse 4. Now verse 7. Now to each one, to how many? 
to each one. And so Paul is writing a letter to the whole church. The church in Corinth, don't know, a couple of thousand people was a big church. Okay? Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good, not for your own individual personal good. The gifts are not given so that you can have your own specialized platform, your own podcast, your own YouTube channel, your own following. The gifts are given for the common good. It's, in other words, it's to build up and strengthen the family, the body. It's for us. Okay? Verse 8 to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. We often refer to this as a word of knowledge, message of knowledge. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, tag that prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits. Okay, distinguishing between spirits, it could be, is this the Spirit of God? Is this a demonic spirit? Is it just a human spirit? Because sometimes in the realm of prophetic stuff, people are picking up not so much on demonic or, or the spirit of God, but they're picking up on the spirit of the person themselves and they prophesy back to the person the very desires of their heart. Because they're not discerning where's this thing coming from. And people said, yeah, you know, I got, phew, that's a word I was waiting for. <laughs> Which can sometimes lead to all kinds of problems. Okay, so we tag prophecy to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. Tag that one. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Tag the third one. So all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So this Holy Spirit is giving gifts, He's pouring them out. Some of them go to different people, but the Holy Spirit is the one who's releasing. Okay? So if you want one of these gifts, go to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I really want to step into this. Okay? For the sake of the common good. Not so that I can look like I'm... A spiritual ninja. Okay. So. He carries on at the end of that chapter. Chapter 12 verse 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eagerly desire. Like. I'm not sure that the church, us, getting the context or the, the highlighting, the emphasis that Paul is giving to this. He's saying, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant and uninformed. There are these gifts. Holy Spirit is at work. He's still at work. Okay? And as he's at work... There's, there's, a, there's a number of things that are happening and your response to what the Holy Spirit is doing is get on the front foot and be eager. Which is very different from the, the kind of attitude that a lot of people have, which is, oh, you know, if the Holy Spirit wants to do it, we'll just let him do it. 
No, he'll make me do something. You know, if he really wants me to do it, he will make me. You've heard those kind of comments. That's not what scripture is saying. Okay? Scripture isn't just saying like, you know what, be passive. If God wills, it'll happen. No, no, no. Not just like, well, you know, I'll just wait on my blessed assurance. No, no. this is actually get up on the front foot, a posture of anticipation, leaning in, pressing in, eagerness, going after something. You see, the kingdom, adva- the kingdom of God is advancing forcefully. And forceful, intentional, almost violent people lay hold of this thing. That's the posture and the attitude of the kingdom, is go for it. Not like, let it happen to me. So we're not just passive people, we're intentional front foot Christians. This is the church as a whole. So Paul is basically saying to this group that were in revival, guys, get up and go for it. And he, he puts it in like command language. You know, if you like, you know, use it, don't use it. You know, if you feel like it. This is not the language. This is, come on. It's basically gird up your loins and go after. Right? And then he says, as he's, he's doing all of this, he says, now I'm going to show you the excellent way. Now remember, he's writing a letter. There are no chapter breaks. It's a letter. There are no verses. It's just like sentence after sentence after sentence, paragraphs, whatever. So he's writing, and when this is the amazing revelation, right? Chapter 11 follows chapter then 12, then it's followed by 13, then it's followed by 14. It's, I know, it's incredible, eh? <laughs> so there's this flow. He's building... <laughs> in a sense, an argument. What he's saying now relates to what he's just said, which relates to what he's just said. There's a context that he's describing. He's placing these instructions in an overall context. And he's pulling and weaving these different things together. You know, if you look at the back of a tapestry, it looks like a complete mess. There's threads everywhere. You turn it around, oh my goodness, there's a picture. And so some of this between chapter 11, 12, 13, and 14, some of it looks like we're looking on the reverse side of the tapestry. Because we see threads here, but it links to there and goes back there. It's hard for us to actually figure the full picture because we're looking at all these threads behind the scenes. And so he's linking from 11, which is about the Lord's table, communion, the Last Supper, discerning, judging the body accurately. He's going to pick up on that again in chapter 12. And he's saying in the context, there's all these powerful spiritual gifts that are at work, but it's for the common good. Oh, let's talk about the common good. The hand can't, cannot say to the foot, because I'm not a foot, I don't need you, or the eye to the ear. We need each other. These things are in the context of the body, the family. And he's going to go on later on, and he's going to say, you see in part, you prophesy in part. So he's picking up, and he's revisiting, if you like. You can't all be an ear, you can't all be an eye. And the body itself can't just be an eyeball. 
Yeah, yeah, our church, we the eyeball. Oh. It's like you get a bit of grit in the eye. You don't even have an eyelash to get the grit off the eyeball. Yeah? You want to go anywhere, you just got to roll around. So the analogy is, listen, we need each other. It's in the context of family, and we don't all have everything. We have just a little part. That's why I need you, and you need you, and you need you, and and we all need each other. Because we don't have the whole thing. He's going to link that thing later on. It's like... Oh, we see in part, we prophesy in part. So like a prophetic word you get, it's just a part. It's not necessarily the whole picture. So when you get a part, don't run off as though this was the whole thing. It's like maybe there's going to be an aspect of your life that's going to involve this thing. But oh, you think that's all of your life. So you sell up everything You shift everything and you head off for that one little thing, not realizing that it was just the part. You thought it was the whole. Now everything has gone a little bit sideways because you made the part the whole. Okay? That's why we need each other. The weighing, the the judging, the testing of these things is so important. Even if someone who operates at a high level of prophetic gifting and anointing to the level of prophet, their words need to be weighed, judged, tested, evaluated. Come on, just before we went into lockdown, a month before, we had a high-profile prophetic voice on this platform. And the prophetic word went out, COVID is a nothing, It's going to be resolved in three months. Israel will come up with a solution and we'll all be done and dusted home and dry. Apparently that wasn't the case. Right? What's the point? The point is not to pull a person down. The point is to accentuate the importance of the truth of Scripture which says every word, regardless of who gives it, Every word must be tested. Because you see in part and you prophesy in part. And even the prophets see in part and prophesy in part. Yeah? So you get one word. Don't live your entire life off half a word. Could just be a nuance that the Lord was giving to you, but it needs to be held in tension with all these other things. Yeah? Okay. So... 12, the gifts, the body, ends up at the end of chapter 12. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now I'll show you the most excellent way. It goes into 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So, pause here. So this one thread now is actually giving us a little bit of insight in this little thread here. So he said, listen, tongues of men or of angels. Oh, hello. Because we had this thing of tongues earlier, the gift of tongues, right? 
Remember, there were three we were tagging. So there's tongues. Nice. Is this, it could be a tongue of men or of an angel. Okay, what's he saying here? So in this thread, he's basically saying the tongue is the ability to communicate by the Spirit, but it's not a language you learnt. The origin of that language could be from another land, another tribe, tongue, nation, an earthly language, or it could be a heavenly language. The angels, they communicate in a language that's different from our language. Yeah, I know that many people in this country think that Afrikaans is the heavenly language. Well, according to this scripture, that's not accurate because it's the tongue of men and the tongue of angels. And we know that you aren't angels. Okay, so. <laughs> so, tongues of men, and we know from the book of Acts when the guys were gathered from, you know, around 13 different regions. Of, of the known world were in Jerusalem because of the feast. They said, these guys are from Galilee. How is it possible? They're unlearned people. They are telling of the wonders of God in our language. So it was miraculous. So it was an earthly language that they understood. It didn't need interpretation. Okay? And so sometimes, you know, it could be a language that somebody in the room knows. Because of that, we've had some people do some rather unusual things and go on missionary trips into, literally, into the jungles of Amazon without doing any studies or preparation, whatever, and just go and try and speak in tongues, hoping that the tribe there, <laughs> that you got the right language. Yeah? Some people returned from those missionary trips. Some didn't. Yeah, so that's presumption, okay? So, yes, it did happen that some heard the language, but we know that some languages need interpretation. So it can be different, okay? So it can be a tongue of men, an earthly language, or angels, okay? So he's just weaving this thing in, and he's talking about love here. He didn't write this like a textbook, would have been much easier if he had. Okay, but he didn't. Paul, we're going to have words one day. No, we won't. Just joking. It was the Holy Spirit helping him. You know, the Lord hides treasure. He hides truth and treasure in the Word so we can dig it out. If everything was out on a plate, it's too easy. But in relationship, he's inviting us in to this beautiful journey of digging and discovering. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, okay, so he's separating our tongues. He's now going to the next thing. If I have the gift of prophecy, so we can see that tongues and prophecy aren't necessarily the same thing. Okay. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, 
I'm nothing. In other words, love is the key that's going to unlock the operation of these power tools. This is not, you know, the love chapter for weddings. This is how we to operate with power tools, the gifts. Verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. Then he jumps on to chapter 14 and verse 1. Follow the way of love. So you can see how this is hanging, right? So you ended chapter 12 by saying, you know, now I'm going to show you the most excellent way, the way of love. And then the whole love chapter 13. Now he's swinging into chapter 14. Follow the way of love. Oh my goodness, look what he says again. And (laughs) half-heartedly. Now, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Eagerly desire. It's that front foot intentional thing. It's come on people of God. If you as the ecclesia want to achieve and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, and you want to be a part of what He's doing on the earth, if you want to be in the center of His activity and His will, then there's some things that you need to do as you are partnering with him, you co-laboring with him. You are positioning yourself to be useful for the master. The donkey had to be in position to be useful. The donkey was in place ready for the master. What did the donkey have to do? Just let the master sit on top. Donkey didn't have to say anything. Yeah, no Shrek, no nothing, no donkey. No donkey, no. Just let the master sit. But in order for the master to sit, the donkey had to be in place. Come on, we can be donkeys for Jesus. Just be in place, let him sit on us. Let him do all the hard work. Yeah? So there's an intentionality of positioning ourselves as we co-labor with him. That he will do powerful things. Now, one of the things that we've been trying to do over these last weeks is just make sure as there's this emphasis, this underlining, this highlighting of the need, the urgency of this as the common expression in the body of Christ. It's like to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. To who? To each one. I will pour out my Spirit on some flesh in the last days. So it's like, come on, church. This is for all of us. And we need to be eagerly, intentionally, on the front foot, pursuing these things. And as we do these things, the power of God goes to the next level. You see, if I take a screwdriver and I'm trying to put something in, and I'm a bit like one of the politicians who didn't even pass woodwork. (laughs) So I feel for him. You know you're gifting, right? Um, or I could take a screwdriver 
That's a power tool. Zzzt. Oh, I like this. Yeah? Or when you get a flat tire, Right? Some of you even remember how to change a tire. You can do it, slow progress, hard work. But that's not going to cut it at Formula One. Acceleration, 2.2 seconds. All four tires. Power tools. But if you don't use powerful tools properly, you could lose a limb. Automatic weapons, powerful, but you don't put them in the hands of somebody who doesn't know how to use them. Can cause significant damage, harm to themselves, and to people around them. It's called friendly fire, which is anything but friendly. When your own team takes you out. And in the body of Christ, because we haven't necessarily given the context and the teaching and the training to weigh, judge, test, discern, people just kind of like, whoa, look at this thing. Let me see how it works. <laughs> oh, sorry. And people have been taken out because they were being practiced on and they didn't have the discernment to realize, oh, I was just a target for practice. I didn't realize that actually my role in this thing was to learn how to discern. And their role in the thing was to learn how to try and prophesy. So they were learning and I was learning. But if I didn't recognize that this was a learning environment and I was thinking oh this was the real deal and they were practicing and they gave me a word that wasn't really for me it might have been for somebody else in the room but they mistakenly thought I was the target and I take it for me but it wasn't for me I could end up in Timbuktu when I should be in Timbuktu I'm trying to be ludicrous to highlight a point. Discernment is as important as learning how to. Learning how to manage. These are powerful tools. Okay, that can change our lives. And we'll get later on at another time when we've learned how to stop the clock. And another time we'll we'll talk the difference between the gift of prophecy and profit. Because some of us, we don't necessarily have the correct level of discerning or importance or how we're supposed to live in response to the prophetic that is meant to build and strengthen, which is where I'm supposed to be heading, which is the very verse that this whole little mini-series was supposed to be based on 
And I really hope to get to that verse very soon. We're nearly there. I just sense that I should stop now. The church needs to step into the fullness of what the church needs to be. And, and God is, is stirring something inside of us again. We're rediscovering again something that the Lord gave to the church through the charismatic renewal. And, and people, the generation before us, were, were well versed in the prophetic. And in smaller church fellowships and groupings, somehow it was easier to grow in this. But as the church grew and became more, shall we say, charismatic uh, circles were more accepted and acceptable, a dilution took place. And so now we get people coming to quote unquote a charismatic church and they think it means that the preacher's got charisma. Well, other preachers have charisma, but, you know, or that's, it's like it's charismatic singing. You know, it's lively singing. That's not the understanding of the use of the word charisma, which is from the Greek word gift, the gifts of the Spirit. A charismatic church is meant to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in the gathering and in the lives of God's people regularly on an ongoing basis. That's what a charismatic church is meant to be. We can't just be charismatic on the sign outside or on the website. We actually need to be charismatic as we live our lives and when we gather. And when we gather. I, I, I think that the Lord's wanting us, in a sense, to, to rediscover and put a fresh emphasis, a correct emphasis on this, so we will be a powerful church. The reason why people are heading off to the Sangormas, because the church isn't doing what the church is supposed to. The reason why people are going to horoscopes is because the church isn't doing what it's supposed to. Now, this is not a rebuke. This is like, you know what? We're going to reclaim lost ground. That's, that's, that's just what this is about. Okay? So, we are a prophetic community. And we will be a prophetic community. And we're going to grow in this. And just like at the beginning of the meeting... There was mess. We're ready for mess. Because it's messy. You've been in a workshop? I get constant reminders of this at home. 
wife has a studio, it's a workshop. And she's forever tidying. Right. Why do you have to keep tidying? Because you keep in the creative, productive, working environment, there's always going to be some mess. We're okay with mess. So we're choosing to be okay with mess. We're not choosing, oh, it must be perfection. Everything right and in order. But the only place where all people just stay in order is the morgue. <laughs> they just, they don't move, they just... Uh, but that's not us. That's not us. So it's going to be a little messy. And the Lord will give us grace. The Lord will give us grace. Come on. We want to grow. We want to advance. Come on, you can feel something inside of you yearning for more. You know. It's like this surely is not it. There must be more. There must be more. Oh God, there must be more. There must be more. That deep thing inside of us, it's the spirit stirring. It's like on the little ember that would catch flame again. Like just that thing of eagerness. Like didn't know that I was allowed to be eager about stuff. Like there must be a yearning, a passionate going after it. And he's going, Come Holy Spirit. You know, let's stand. So we say, Warza Moya. Come Holy Spirit. Come and do it again. Light the fire again. Cause a fiery flame of passion, desire, eagerness, for you, for the coming of your kingdom, the expansion of your kingdom, your rule and your reign. God at work in the city. God at work in our lives. We thank you that you are stirring something, you're rekindling something again. We thank you, Lord, from generation to generation. You keep doing a new thing, a fresh thing. A hallelujah. When you restore, it always goes to a higher level. It always goes further and higher. So we say, Lord, do it again, even as you've done before. Yeah. Keep us in a place of flexibility that the wineskin of our lives of our expectation, that our wineskins would continuously be flexible to be able to contain the outpouring of new wine. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So as we go from here, as we look at the harvest, which is ripe, as we drive through the potholes, we proclaim, 
The harvest is ready as load shedding kicks in again. The harvest is ready as the water pressure declines in our tap. The harvest is ready as there's so much devastation on this planet. We proclaim the harvest is ripe. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses and sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.